Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse, an unusual show today. We're coming to you from outside of the broadcast house at the Triad Center, right near the tracks line here, where we've been setting up today, or not me, I'm not doing any of the work. They've been setting up for the KSL Barbecue Cook-Off, and there are 40 grill masters who are going to be competing here. And uh, Rin Barrett is one of the certified judges, and Rin has been telling us about some of the fun things going on. First of all, I said, well, 40, that's a lot of grill masters and you said no that's about average yeah that's right now you were telling us there is a 14 year old competing yeah she just walked by as a matter of fact her name or she's behind us caitlin uh started out as one of the youth uh competitors so they have the group of 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 kids um and they compete separately from the adults Mm -hmm. she got so good that they actually took her out of the youth group and put her into the adult competition and she's a consistent winner she, her dad introduced her to it, and she beats her dad on a real regular basis. Okay. You were telling me they, they, there are a number of categories, but one of them is the state category. And each of these grill masters gets a ribeye, but they don't bring it. You, they, have to, they are given the steak. Right. So the State Cook-Off Association, SCA, and, and I don't represent them. I'm just a certified judge. Um, they have a, a sponsor that provides the steaks. And so then uh, all the contestants are getting essentially the same ribeye steak. It's always a ribeye, um, so it's very, very consistent. So they have been working on this, some of these competitors, for years to get to the point where they can cook these um, very consistently, very good. And there's so many variables that go into it that it's really quite a difficult challenge. Well, you were saying that they even have a specialized cooktop or grill that they cook these steaks on. Yeah, there are some professional grills um, that are made just for competitions. So um, we have sponsors, uh, grill manufacturers, and uh, there's a lot of them here today. There's several here today that um, those get used in other competitions, but not the steak cook-off as much because they use these professional grills. Okay, tell me about those thermometers, though. I mean, this is very technical. Yeah, um, everything's important, so... Altitude is really important. Temperature is really important. Humidity is really important. But the most important is obviously temperature. They will use a a laser thermometer to take the temperature of the actual grill surface in addition to the the temperature of the steak, the surroundings, the air. I mean, this is a science. There's a little bit of art to it, but, man, they've got it dialed in. And those people who win or that person that wins goes to a regional competition, I mean, this is a real big deal. Right. So at the regional competitions, then they can, the winners will get what's called a golden ticket. If they win a golden ticket, then they get to go to the world cook-offs, which this last year was in Fort Worth, um, about 250 or so competitors from around the world um, will compete, and it's just awesome. Is it pretty tough to decide who's the best? Well, we don't have to decide who's the best. That's the great thing about being a judge. We start out with every competitor is the best when we start looking at them. They get a solid 10 
coming into the judging table. And then depending on things that maybe are something we don't like or something that's a little deficient, their score may go down. But they start out as the best every time. All right. Well, this is going to be fun to watch. Thank you for sharing your experience with us, your expertise. I'm happy to be here. All right. Thanks, Ren. We appreciate it. And again, uh, we are coming to you from outside the Triad Center for the KSL Barbecue Cook-Off. Forty Grill Masters are going to be taking part in this. It starts at noon. There are free family activities. We're watching the bounce houses go up here, uh, face painting. So we hope you join us from noon to 6. And we are joined today, we are here with Landscape of Utah, great sponsor of this program today. And with us is the general manager, Vince Clark. Uh, we're having fun outside here, Vince. And you guys, thank you so much for taking part in this great event. You know, yeah, you guys keep talking about that barbecue thing, and <laughs> I'm getting really hungry. Me too. <laughs> you should smell it. <laughs> it smells so good. But just let's for a minute just focus on your specials because I know you, and in taking part with this great event, you have some special offers for people who come out to your Draper location today. So, yeah, we just wanted to do something fun and say thanks for the people that come in. So uh, those who come in for the next week through Memorial Day, if they come in and say that they heard us on the radio, we're doing 20% off of roses and 20% off of fruit trees. And then today, we're here till 4 o'clock today. If you come in today, we're happy to give you a free iris. You guys are really great at helping those people who really want to do it themselves. They want to save a little bit of money, um, find the most economical products, but they may not have a great concept of how to do that. So you have the experts to help them. That's right. We talk to people all day long about their individual little projects. Where well, I say a little bit. They could be small. It doesn't matter how small or it could be great big. And uh, we're happy to help direct them to the correct plant or, or uh, mulch, whether it's uh, organic, whether it's, you know, bark or wood chips, something like that, or some kind of decorative rock. People like to do, and sometimes they do both. Vince, what makes you guys different than the other folks? Um, I guess, you know, probably the biggest thing is that uh, our, our knowledge. I mean, we have a lot of knowledge, and we really try to focus on the customer uh, you know, we just try to do that. And, and I try to be personable with everyone and, and greet everyone and uh, learn people's names. And we have a great customer base. Well, we know you're knowledgeable. You're a certified arborist. You have the experts there. You were telling us earlier, biggest question is people come in and they go, oh, I have this much space. I have no idea how much product I need. Yeah, that happens a lot. So as long as people can get their, uh, get their measurements and their dimensions, then we can figure out the quantities right down to the to the half yard. All right. Tell us about some of the unique items that you have when it comes to fire pits or your bubbling water features. Yeah. So we actually, uh, we sell boulders. And so we will select certain boulders to make water rocks or bubbling rocks, as you say, and then fire pits also. And we offer installation for those. Uh, and uh, with the fire pits, they're very nice in the evening, right? You can sit down around the fire in the summer, turn on the gas, and then turn it off. It's, it's just a nice little evening atmosphere. And with the water features, a lot of people just like to hear that water trickling, you know, just makes a nice little cool thing going on in the brain and a mental coolness. Um, yeah, and there some people will do one, some people will do three, or, or even do a little creek bed or something and, and have a little almost a little waterfall going with it. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do. The uh, Only one's imagination is the limit. 
Right. Well, we appreciate you being with us today. We appreciate your sponsorship of this. I want folks to know that your Draper location, 611 West, 123rd South. You're open till 4 today. And people can find out more information at landscapesupplyofutah.com. And if you'd like to stay on the line and help us answer a few questions, that would be great as well. Thank you, Vince. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, before we take a break, let's take a call from Todd in West Valley, who's been waiting very patiently. Uh, Good morning, Todd. What was your question? Well, it's about Roundup and reseeding my grass. But mm-hmm. before I ask that question, I'm a beekeeper, and dandelions are known as bee speed. Other great bee plants, one that I really love is a flowering sage. Uh-huh. Anything, anything that flowers, they can get to. But anytime I see that flowering sage, I know there's going to be hundreds of bees around it. A great option. And it's, it's amazing. So I want to spray a part of my grass and reseed it. So if I use Roundup, how long do I have to wait after the last application before I can reseed? Generally a week is the turnaround time for reseeding grass. The label will say, but for most commercial Roundup or their competitive, you know, the knockoffs, you know, the kills all and others, it's around a week. That's awesome. I can get it done before the heat. Oh, wait, the heat of the summer is already here. Yeah, it's getting here. It, the switch just turns in a second, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't like the weather in Utah? Wait five minutes. <laughs> That's right. Thanks so much for your call this morning. We're going to take a break, come back with the final few minutes of this show. Again, the Greenhouse Show coming to you from the Triad Center. People are asking, what is happening there? It's the KSL Barbecue Cook-Off. We, it's a competition of 40 grill masters. You get to watch them. They're competing for prizes. And we have some fun free activities as well, including face painters, inflatables, games, prizes, music, fat boys. I saw someone had uh, those ice cream. And we want you to come see us. It opens at noon. It runs from noon to six today. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, the search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you. We are joined by Vince Clark. He's the general manager at Landscape Supply of Utah. Our next listener is wondering, Vince, and you can help us with this one. Uh, they had lost a weeping spruce this winter. It was. It has a southeast exposure and they want to replace it. Uh, the, the tree needs to be narrowish, six by six foot area. What would your suggestions be? Um, do we know where they live? We do not know where they live, I'm afraid. Okay. All right. So I'm guessing that it's probably a weeping white spruce, uh, and they're very popular. Um, one of the substitutes that we do is a Deodor cedar called Carl Fuchs. Um, there's a couple others that are narrow. That's a, The cedars seem to not have as much problems as spruces do in heavier soils. And so we, uh, we often move people towards that tree. Don, any other suggestions? Well, I like that suggestion, especially for Wasatch Front areas. The Weeping Norway Spruce, I, it's not as refined looking as Weeping White, but the Weeping Norway, if the soil's not too clay, would be an option for that. But any, especially Weeping White Spruce, 
we see over five or six years, if they're, they get too hot, they're against the building, they're more susceptible to getting scorch on them than some other trees. But I mean, they could go a completely different direction and go with maybe like big tuna, mugo pine, or there's a few other different species of pines that will stay small. That would be a different shape. It would fit that category. Yeah, the uh, so on to that satellite Bosnian pine is a good option for that. Yeah, that would be another one that would work. And Bosnian, mm. I think with that with Austrian, the Bosnian pine is probably the most adaptable pine I've seen out there. I agree. I agree, hundred percent. And it's highly underused. All right, next listener is wondering, they have a crimson century maple that they planted last fall. It seemed like it was doing well, but now it's not looking great. Um, they're wondering if they lost it. How are they going to know, first of all, Ton, if they lost this tree? If it leaves out, it would be, <laughs> you know, just wait for it to leaf out. I, yeah. I've noticed that those columnar uh, crimson century maples are just, I don't know why, but they're just a little harder to get established the first two or three years than a lot of other trees. And they're just a little more sensitive and they take, it's not that you need to water them more, but they just need that just little, a few extra steps of care than others. And so I would give it another month at least to see if it forms buds. And if it doesn't, it's probably not going to recover. Okay. Um, if uh, to that real quick, if the branches are crispy, you know, if they're going to if they just snap instead of bend, that's not a good sign. Uh, but it's true. Taunt is just correct, too, because sometimes trees on their if it's their first winter, they'll take a lot longer to leaf out in the spring. OK, next listener has a snowball bush tawn. It's about five years old, eight foot tall, loaded with blossoms. When and how do they prune it? Um, as soon as it's done blooming when those blossoms are spent and just barely spent is when they're going to prune it. And they're using a technique called renewal pruning where they're taking about 20 to 25% of the branches out from the middle of the bush. And they're going to be taking the oldest branches out. I'm trying to understand the second part of their question because they have a lilac bush that's about five years old. Um, it has a couple of blossoms. It sounds like it's not doing well and they are thinking of moving it. Would that be a good idea? Is it going to do better at another location or... Would they be it's better probably off just too again? late to move it. They would have to wait till this fall to dig it. Okay. And if it's already struggling, unless it's brand new, I wouldn't try moving it. All right. Next listener has a two-question text. Uh, how does clay-like soil affect their plants? I mean, isn't all, a lot of our soil clay? It is, especially in the valley bottoms. I, Vince, do you want to take this one? Well, I mean, it, the challenge, there's, there's a few challenges. Um, it can affect the plants. Clay soils tend to compact more easily, and so that can inhibit a good root growth. Also, clay soils don't drain as well, and so uh, it, there's more apt, more opportunity to overwater uh, with any any plant in clay soil. And so those those are the bigger two challenges right there. Uh, and then if the secondary water is thrown in the mix, that's a different challenge altogether. So I think that the remedy for these clay soils is the careful watering, but especially for perennials, annuals, and shrubs and turf is compost. You know, mix before you plant 
Um, don't just mix around the plant, but the entire area, if you have the money, two to three inches of compost tilled in six inches deep will go a long way to creating airspace in that soil. After that, you apply an inch a year to maintain what's there if you're happy with it. And you can just put it on the top and it'll slowly work its way into the soil. All right. Next, uh, they had another question. Uh, they planted blackberry starts last Thursday. A few had uh, really good roots and a couple didn't have much. Do they need to be patient? I mean, how long can it take for such starts to take root? It takes at least a few weeks, right? If you, I mean, for them to recover from transplant shock, they if they're alive in another six weeks, they're going to take. You know, and the blackberries are pretty aggressive, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do, you know, take a little longer, but do establish. And so just make sure that the soil stays moist, but don't drown them. And just check them every two, three days to make sure that the soil's moist and give them a year. And I think that they'll be fine. All right. Next person says they would like to get rid of white top in their lawn and prevent it from spreading. Uh, will it spread if they mow or edge it? They're just they it spreads by root runners, and one plant can produce like 125 more plants by the end of the season. And so, I used a product called Image All-in-One Lawn Weed Killer on my lawn, and it seemed to have done a good job against it. It will come back eventually, but I've knocked out 70 or 80 percent of it. Um, with it q4 plus is another one that might be if it's not too hot that could be used okay um ton what do you have planned today are you going to stay and uh watch the grilling take place i've got lots of yard work i'll probably wander over and look around but mowing i've got a flower bed to plant for my wife um so i'm going to be out in the yard most of the afternoon Vince, we appreciate you being with us today and sponsoring the Greenhouse Show and this great KSL Barbecue cook-off event. Thank you. I've had a great time with you guys this morning. Well, I hope you have lots of folks coming in to see your uh, Draper location and find out about all the great products and services. And I just really appreciate knowing that you have all the great experts there to help everyone out. Yeah. Again, thanks so much. All right. Come on Uh, down and see us. We will do so. And... Again, we are talking about Landscape Supply of Utah, 611 West, 123rd South, open till 4 today. You can also go to landscapesupplyofutah.com. We have another question we're going to squeeze in here, Tom. This person says, uh, how to get pine trees to grow in Magna? They said they bought them, they last a couple of months, and then they die. What would be the problem First there? thing I do is test the soil and make sure that it's not salty. If it's salty, that may be what's knocking them out. And there's some clay soil out there, and it isn't very friendly sometimes to pines so test the soil first usu and byu both have analytical laboratories that can do that and you can do an internet search to get them mm-hmm. if you do usu they want the usual or the routine test all right we have taken all of our calls and answered all of our text questions this morning i want to remind folks that we do have some great information up on the ksl greenhouse facebook page now that includes our plant of the week uh, this morning at eight o'clock we always do a plant of the week at eight o'clock in the morning and then we put more information on our facebook page uh, this morning's plant of the week was the candy tuft we also had some great features at the nine o'clock hour we talked about oh boy the problems with herbicides and how they can cause 
problems in your flower beds and your yards. Yes, and it's very important to follow the label and make sure that you're erring on the side of caution when you deal with pesticides. And then if you missed our top of the hour feature at the 10 o'clock hour this morning, we talked about um, how to make sure that those planters, those beautiful planters that you're buying at the box stores or at the nurseries uh, continue to do well. So you want to find out all that great information if you missed out. Also, you can catch this show in podcast form. If you go to kslnewsradio.com, you can catch it on the podcast. Well, the podcast is a great thing, so. I want to remind folks about this KSL barbecue cook-off. It begins at noon. You can watch these grill masters. They are fantastic. This event, noon to six, a lot of fun family activities. And we'll see you again next week. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.